Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name's Mark Smith and I'm the tech editor of Resident Advisor. This week's exchange is with Sarah McBriar. She's the founder of Belfast's AVA Festival, which has quickly grown into one of Europe's smartest young events. She spent her 20s working behind the scenes at some of the UK's top festivals before developing a business plan for an event of her own. Later this month, the festival will be celebrating its third edition and is adding a second day to its program. So we invited McBriar to our London office to hear how she's made her ideas into reality. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The exchange with Sarah McBriar is up next. I guess we just start with an introduction, if you can just tell us kind of what you do, who you are. My name's Sarah McBriar, I'm from Belfast. I uh, run AVA Festival and Conference, which happens once a year in Belfast on the Titanic docks, beginning of June. AVA is kind of one of the things you do. I mean, what percentage of your time is spent running the festival at this stage? Oh, like if there was more than 100% in a percentage, it would be more uh, like 200, 300%. Um, yeah, I mean, we're now, like yesterday was the one month countdown. So it's like all encompassing AVA, every waking moment, every dream. <laughs> it's like festival intense. It's quite funny when you get to this like period, it's always like kind of creeps into like your sleep pattern and all as well <laughs> you know what it's like so i mean yeah where are we in the in the kind of in the process one month to go is the venue ready like where are yeah we? we're kind of now at the like final final stage so it's all like down to you know planning as to the get in and and the build will happen really the, the key big pieces will happen two weeks before and then we get on site the week before and and then it's the build so it's kind of really the final push in terms of our tickets and promoting all our content our conference there's like individual signups for those specific sessions so it's getting those out and really just promoting like all that the festival is because we've gone from one day to two days so we're really just trying to get the the message across of like how much extra there is now to do and that like it's really a whole week and Belfast and stuff so yeah there's that and then there's the other side of actually just making it happen so it's kind of like the final stages of the promotion and then the like on the grind right let's make this how big is your festival team 
the core team, the ones that like are working on it all the time, there's like four core. And then when it comes to live event, I mean, it's like if you include volunteers and I mean, if you even go as far as like security and medical and everyone else, I mean, it's like 150 people probably. But like the core, yeah, I mean, Emmett, he looks after the conference. Michaela's and all like up logistics, artist liaison. Nula works on the creative and the social media and the marketing side. And then we do have then a number of other freelance people like Oshin who does all our visual content. And then we've got the design side and we've got a couple of interns as well that sort of work on the sort of admin. And when it comes to the day, what are you doing? On the day, I really try and make sure that I'm not locked into an area. I think that's quite like bad. I kind of really need to be sort of the oversight. So when it gets to live event, it's very much people have their sort of specific roles and areas and I really try and stay stay above. I have a production, like an amazing production manager um, who works the three week period. So he's he's starting very soon and he kind of like takes a big chunk of the sort of management and the leadership bit so that I can kind of step back and not get too locked into an area because if you do that then you know you don't really can't really keep the oversight is there any opportunity to you know block off a couple of two hours and go and enjoy a set and just yeah I really do try it was funny in the first year I was really lucky a good friend of mine just pulled me aside and just was like just stop just don't do anything I just want you to just stop and take this in and I was like wow and like it definitely was one of those moments where you just kind of like stopped and took in the atmosphere and the vibe and felt like really proud and happy and and the same at the end of the first year you could just like stand up on the stage and just kind of look at everything and it was just it was really cool it's it's like the final piece isn't it it's like the when it all comes together I think that's one of the like mad things about running a festival because you you put so much work into it before and then it's like such a short period of time and it's over but then that's kind of the thrill of it isn't it I mean people must think we're mad that we do this but we love it (laughs) I guess it's a difficult question but how close to the kind of your what you imagined the festival to be like was it in reality year one was more and so was year two to be fair I think year one you just don't know what to expect so you just you don't really have like a fixed image in your head I mean you've got a kind of an image but you're just probably a lot more open whereas year two I suppose you've got year one in your head but yeah I mean it was definitely I think we took it like a notch up and like the way that we've planned it this year is to take it a good notch up as well like we want everyone to come back and feel like wow this is like even better you know and and then there's this feeling you know that I have to you know, they want to come back and be a part of it. So, yeah, this year we're, like, doing quite a lot of, like, sort of additional sort of areas that people don't know about and adding, like, some really nice sort of creative areas and spaces. And because it's gone to two days, it's important to have those kind of chill areas and those kind of, like, hangout areas as well as, like, obviously the stages and the music and stuff. And moving the conference to the Friday as well, it's there's a lot more content, a lot more going on in the conference, which is really cool. So it's really like a full weekend. The conference has always kind of sat front and centre with this. You know, it's, it's not an afterthought at all. Like, why was it important for you to do offer something more than just a rave? 
I think for me, it was about like the development of talent. Like that's kind of really core to AVA. And that's why it's kind of one of the reasons why it started as well. Like it was to create a fun, creative festival that we didn't feel existed in Northern Ireland, like going to lots of other amazing festivals in the UK and Europe. It was just like, why does something like this not exist back home? But also the talent that was coming out of Northern Ireland, we felt was really great. And we wanted to do something that platformed that as well as kind of help develop it. And also the piece like AVA, which stands for Audiovisual Arts, it was meant the kind of the focus as well is about sort of merging the visual art and creating collaborations between artists and, and that creating work. So the conference side is a good way of like getting those topics out there and discussing them and looking them in a bit more depth. The, the nerdy end, which we're all nerds at heart as well. So <laughs> that was kind of cool. And um, yeah, like having Jeff Mills do his his Close Encounters fourth kind with William Marmon I'm just like so excited about and then asking him to talk and him being down with it I'm really excited to kind of get into his brain about like how he approaches those kind of collaborations because I think they're like it's it's not easy you know when you've got two artists who are coming from different sort of backgrounds and different kind of visions but then working together to create I think the really special stuff how do you go about that you know so I'm kind of really interested to find out how someone like Jeff does that with with like a lighting designer you know was the idea always to not just book Jeff to DJ you wanted him oh, to yeah. do something special yeah 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 so we really wanted him to do something special I actually went and met his team and Jeff in in Dublin in a show he did um, last year he took his Philharmonic his live orchestra piece to, to, to Dublin and it was like like unbelievable you know one of those shows that you just got goosebumps all over and yeah it was great to be able to have the the opportunity to book something really unique and I think what he's doing just fits so well with what what we want and hope our programming it's sort of like the top top headliners to, to be able to do so it's great. So why did you start the festival in the first place? Just really, there was there wasn't. I didn't feel like a festival, creative festival platform in electronic music, and I didn't think there was a platform for the existing talent either. There was big events that existed back home, but they were kind of more drink-led events, and so the focus wasn't on the artist or the, the sort of experience. It was more the sort of large scale, two, three R, but happening sequentially, and so. I had worked on Block 9 at Glastonbury and worked on MAFE and worked on some other festivals that I just loved and obviously had been to ones as well and wanted to create something back home. And I think also like the crowd in Belfast and the atmosphere, I mean, you know, from people who've already been know, it's just like insane. So it was kind of like wanting to do something as well. And like Irish people definitely know how to party. <laughs> And I think there's a really like kind of welcoming, there's a really like friendly atmosphere and kind of anyone can come and get stuck in. And like conferencing wise, there wasn't anything really that sort of hit that nail on the head. And we wanted to be able to do something as well to pull in the AV side and the digital art and, and you know, like a little bit of film, like we've got some music and film panel this year and sort of starting to pull together some of the other like strands. So. That was the kind of feeling and um, I think really the people who are involved were all from Belfast as well, so it just made sense. And then your first year, 
the, all the artists were Irish, is that right? Yes, all were basically Northern Irish, to okay. be honest. Like, obviously, Johnny of Optimo is, is Northern Irish. Keith is, is Scottish, so Keith was Scottish. And John Daly was from Galway, I believe, John's Galway or Wicklow. So there was a few that weren't Northern Irish, but yeah, I mean, it was kind of really like friends and family vibe. Yeah. <laughs> <You're one. laughs> Let's pull it all together. My dad was the driver. <laughs> like, my mom was like cleaning the toilets. It was hilarious. I mean, they kind of still do that which I think creates a nice vibe then you know we, we really wanted to to broaden the booking to, to Southern Ireland as well it was always the intention and bringing in big international guests you know like the likes of Jeff and stuff so it's really cool that we're in a place in the year three to be able to do that Are you increasingly trying to attract a crowd from abroad from the UK from Europe? Yeah for sure I think like it's really good I think it's really good for like the city as well as like the people that are going people want to, to meet I think it's a really great opportunity to visit Belgium fast see a lot of the talent and like experience the city as well so yeah it's definitely something that we want to do you touched on Glastonbury there and I read that you kind of you went there when you were 18 and you know had a life-changing experience as so many of us do I yeah did, I did <laughs> yeah. um you mentioned that that kind of cemented this desire to want to start a festival in your own yeah. in your own city and so since then has that been your goal yeah, I mean, it was one of those where, I mean, anyone who's been to Glastonbury, it's just like a really special experience and like a really kind of like community experience. You go there and you meet so many people and you do so many different things and you see so many different things. And I think musically as well, being exposed to stuff maybe you wouldn't necessarily see and meeting people you wouldn't necessarily meet. And I think really... I think it's like a really good thing for the industry and the scene and like just your general experience in music. And again, that kind of thing didn't really exist. I didn't feel back home. So yeah, there was there was a want to do it. And, and a lot of like, you know, a lot of the, the, the artists are, are good friends of mine, to be honest. And I think we just, there was a feeling amongst people that we wanted to have this, this kind of like platform really. And then in, 2014, you get to then work at Glastonbury. Yes. At Block 9, no less. Yes. Which, you know, is one of the most magical parts of the whole site. Yeah. What was that experience like? Incredible, yeah. I mean, what they do, what Gideon and Steve and Paula do is just incredible. I think um, it's almost unbelievable, to be honest. Yeah, it's staggering. I mean, I was like a minute part of, of you know, I, I was just assisting, essentially. Um, the, their attention to detail is obviously why they're so successful. I mean, they're artists and they're right. And I think that's a really important part in comparison to different kinds of events. You know, they're creating essentially art and the, the detail down to how people arrive, down to like the button in a lift in the NYC in the London Underground, you know, that's that's the level of detail they go to. So yeah, I think it was just also a massive eye opener really to to the amount of work and, and, and you know, the amount of integral pieces that you pull together. I think anyone that runs sort of festivals and, and large events and stuff, there's just so much involved. And I think, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, have you ever run your own events before AVO? 
Yeah, I mean, I've worked on events. I've never run specifically my own night. I'd worked on sort of lots of events and that's kind of where my experience more came from. The sort of running projects and and working on festivals. That's why, I mean, I worked with other people. There was other people involved in in making Avia happen. It's not just me. So like, it's kind of like a marriage of like lots of sort of people getting involved. So yeah, you're someone who's who's had experience running all sorts of events. You've worked at Glastonbury at Warehouse Project. You worked for Manchester City yeah. for a long time. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I cool. did. Were you running events there? Yeah, well, I ran a project there. I ran um, their tour project actually which was a project that I took on. I mean, my background is music, theatre and arts as well as like business and management. So yeah, I had a a theatre experience. I'd I'd even been in like the National Youth Theatre. I got an opportunity to redo something and I did and it was really fun and cool. But for me, my heart lay in music. So that's kind of why I didn't stay there. You're someone who had a lot of experience leading up to AVA. You kind of what kind of new and unexpected challenges did throwing your own festival that first year like throw up? Well, it's quite scary. <laughs> I suppose the good thing about starting something from scratch is, you know, if it doesn't go well, then it doesn't go well and you move on. So I suppose, you know, it's scary, but at the same time, you just do. And, you know, as long as you've got great people involved and working alongside you, which I did, like this by no means is me on my own, then, you know, I think you just hope that it'll turn out really well, which we were lucky it did. No, there's a lot of work in it, a lot of planning and obviously so there's that. But yeah, I think there's okay, there's a lot of risk, I suppose, as I said before, when you're planning something for so long and it is contingent on a small period of time, like... It's quite high risk. I mean, again, anyone who runs events and festivals, I mean, that's why I'm terrified of running something outside, to be honest. You know, I think running a field festival is just, you know, a whole ball game. Well, AVA is very much a city festival and that's that's what, what we want it to be, you know. So, but um, organising festivals and fields, you know, like what happened uh, called Secret Party. Garden Party. Yeah, I was there that year. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I've been, you know, a good couple of years amazing festival but when it rains like that it's just crazy and actually (laughs) my friend lost my coat (laughs) so we had obviously been partying and she had her backpack and she lost her backpack and my coat and so woke up the next day with no coat and it was just pouring rain but thankfully my brother he um he arrived that sunday and brought me like a big big bomber jacket i was like thank god because yeah it's cold i've often thought that um one of the most amazing things about Glastonbury is that they've managed to turn the bad weather festival into part of it. Into part of it. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you say that because it very much is. That's that's true because I think if you have a bad weather in most places, it could probably put you off the following year. Whereas Glastonbury, you almost like it's part of the experience. It's part yeah. of like what you expect. You know, last year was I've, I've probably had worse, but it was it was tough and it was five days, and you know it's like a real. I was there last year. It was you know, tough, it's like yeah. it's like going on a big trek or something. Yeah. Like the whole thing, like it's not it's not what you'd class a kind of relaxing festival no. experience. Like it's by the end of it, you come out. It's like it's like an enriching experience, yeah. and you've really put your body through something, and you've really you know, it's a yeah, it's a totally unique thing. Yeah, I spent a lot of my time in the Beat Hotel last year because <laughs> it's enclosed. <laughs> you do have to think tactically about yeah. it. Yeah. How supportive has Belfast, the city, the the council been 
Yeah, really supportive. Really, really supportive. I think Belfast as a city was definitely ready for a festival like AVA. Um, the council have been really supportive. They support our conference. And yeah, I think it's a city that's much further behind cities like London and Manchester and Leeds and Glasgow. In what sense? Licensing, regulation, restrictions, alcohol, approach, sign restrictions, neighbours. Attitudes. Attitudes, yeah. Which is funny for people that are so warm and up for Oh, but that's because 90% of the people aren't those people that make those calls. Do you know what I mean? I think in the eyes of the the council and and the local authorities is, you know, they really see that it's it's a good event and and people have fun and like, you know, we we haven't had any issues problem-wise. And I think also the conference element, they really see the value in the industry side, which I think is so important, you know, especially as it is a lot of people's careers and it's such a valuable side of the industry. So that's been really good. And then I think um, we've created jobs as well, I suppose, you know, when you look at it that way and people are getting amazing experience now that are then able to go on to work for other places in Manchester and London and other places that they might not have even got an interview if they hadn't had that level of experience. So I think in that sense, it's, they're they're happy and then we're bringing in you know people to visit the city as well and it's really funny this is like a tiny little side story but um Nula who works for me um on the creative side she she was in like a a print shop on the Dublin Row which is like a city centre shop and they said that they couldn't understand there was this one day in June last year they couldn't understand why their sales had spiked so much like on on printing internet cafe printing and it was because like 400 people came in to print their ABA ticket <laughs> they're like we love the festival <laughs> you know I think festivals do good for for the local like industry as well there was a comment on the review on RA's review of the second edition that mm-hmm. um, you know was very praiseworthy of the festival but it said growing up in Belfast there wasn't much by way of a scene or a variety mm-hmm. I mean does that tell you of your personal experience no was that commented on the article? Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, there was not much of a scene. Or, or a variety. Or a variety. Well, I mean, I suppose if you say, if you look at a variety like Manchester and London, then yes, you could argue that. But I suppose if you look at it relative to the size of the city, house parties and like non-announced parties, there's a lot of them. So, you know, I think we had a great variety and Shine and Thompson's and Twitch, you know, who've all been going 10 to 20 years have been doing and bringing in class artists. So I would say for the size of the city, we've had a good, I mean, I suppose we haven't had a variety in terms of like festivals and maybe more larger events. I mean, I was definitely drawn. I went to live in Manchester straight away after Belfast and was lived there for six years. And I was drawn to it because of the music scene and the variety. So, but then again, it's just such a bigger city. Of course. And did it have that variety in terms of theatre and film? and? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've got a cool little arts cinema, QFT, and the Mac does good stuff. I think that, like, I would love to see more, but I suppose the reality is, you know, you can only put on so much to what the demand is there. So I suppose it's probably 
relative. So yeah, just talking about your upbringing. I mean, you're part of a talented family. Your brother is Matthew McBride of Bicep. Yeah. Was music a big part of your life growing up? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I mean, I probably got into it by way of just living in the room below him and the ceiling being a, a an additional speaker in the house. So he's older or younger? Older, older, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember going to his first ever gig. I think he was just like, I think I was about 13 and he was, yeah, I would have been about 15. So we weren't all legal, but we were allowed in. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that was fun. And, and a lot of his friends, Rory, who's Hammer, who's on our lineup. He's been a big part of growing up. We all went to the same school. Andy went to the same school. And yeah, like Jack, Space Image Controller, we all went to the same school, actually. Yeah, it's definitely been something that I've been been really into from whenever I can remember. My mom is like music theatre. So that's been something. Our house was just never quiet. We're quite a loud family. So I think that's based on just music. And my dad's really into his music as well. So we kind of just grew up with it, I suppose. It, w- it would always be weird if we walked in the house and it was there was no music on. It would be kind of like, okay, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> what kind of things were your parents listening to? My mum was into like really mad, like... Finnish music and Helsinki and Pointer Sisters was a big thing and yeah just a whole range I mean they were into like the classic Van Morrison Enya like the classic Irish stuff as well dad's is a big Smith fan but yeah I think we were exposed to quite a lot of my mum was part of like an African music and Turu, who I remember was my brother's break dancing teacher or something, was really a big music influence in our family as well and yeah it's kind of we've been brought up with quite a rich exposure to different cultures and different types of music. My parents would have always like played music rather than just put the radio on or something, you know. So there was definitely always a, a feeling of like selecting and being interested in what you're listening to. Did becoming an artist yourself never appeal to you? Yeah, I went through a small phase of wanting to give it a go. But I think I just realised I'm very much a juggling kind of person. Like, I'm much more of, like, an organiser. And the idea of standing in front, I mean, I tried it, but, like, in front of decks for an extended period of time and concentrating on one thing just didn't work. (laughs) I kind of thrive in situations where I'm, like, juggling ten things at the same time. It's just kind of my nature. So it's quite funny. We're very different like that, me and Matt. (laughs) Well, yeah, the first question I asked you was just, like how much of your time does ABA take up? Because you're also involved in all sorts of other projects, right? You, mm. One of the main things you do is She Said So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm involved in the Women's Network, She Said So, which I joined actually when I was living in London, which was class. It's a women's network. And then I started running it back in Northern Ireland. So we've been running sort of like sessions and panels and talks and that then is just exposing more women to the industry and trying to get them more involved. And it's it's definitely seeming to work. I mean, there's a lot more women, I think, involved in it now than there was three years ago when we started AVA. And, like, you know, whenever I started AVA, I mainly had Michaela working with me, and now the team's obviously a lot bigger, but that's really great. I also run... Um, a, a company called Plume with Oshin O'Brien. So Oshin does all the kind of AV stuff to AVA, the lighting design. And so we came together through an interest in doing projects like that and just started doing them in other ways. So it's it's separate to AVA, but 
we do plume as well which is cool and then i also up productions is really kind of like what runs ava but it runs it works on sort of other big events and it's the kind of production-y management-y making it happen part and has your experience as a woman in the music industry largely been positive yeah very much so i don't really think about it you know like I just think that sometimes it can almost be a self-imposed barrier. I've worked with amazing guys and girls. I always say to people who who potentially feel, and you know, maybe they've experienced something that has caused that, but I just think, you know, don't even consider it as an issue because then it becomes an issue, you know, remove that barrier I don't believe in it yeah I mean gender imbalance is a hot topic right now but you kind of hear it mostly talked about in terms of lineups and in yeah. terms of charts and stuff yeah. do you feel like we need to raise more awareness about the wider industry as a whole yeah definitely I think there's amazing women that work behind the scenes which doesn't get talked about much the great thing about the topic of we need more women on lineups is it is actually changing things you know and that's a positive so i you think feel like that's the first step and then it kind of i think fundamentally we need to have more women actually becoming artists and creating output i think it's unfair to blame promoters i think it's unfair to just make that the firing aim sure. because the reality is there is a lot less women than male djs and i think it's great that this is happening because it is changing it. So I'm totally all for it. But I just think that there needs to kind of be a, a recognition of the whole piece rather than just sort of firing it at one, one end. As a festival promoter, what are your considerations in that respect when you create your lineup? I mean, we focus on the Irish talent, you know. So for us, like, AVA was born out of wanting to develop the emerging, bring back the established talent. It started in Northern Ireland, as we, we talked about, and as we've grown, we've been booking more in Southern Ireland and then bringing in international guests. Obviously, we are aware and we want to have a diverse offering, but I think for us, because ours is about booking the most exciting um, Northern and Southern Irish talent and, and international guests, our focus isn't about doing trying to do 50-50 lineups. And the great thing is where we are now to where it was three years ago, there are more women coming through. So rather than booking someone because they're female, it's booking them because they're doing really good things. And I think, like for me, I think that's what the focus needs to be on, the, the music and the output and, you know, trying to nourish that talent and I the reality I think obviously where like the industry's going and we don't really know what Brexit's going to do but ultimately it's going to start to put more barriers up for booking outside of your your own sort of local you know network and offering I mean I experienced it now for the first time with Tiana T mm. so we just did a castle event there which was class and we might do again it happened on Easter weekend and we booked Tiana T, who we think's class. She's doing really cool things. And as I said, we book mainly Irish, but we always try and bring in international guests. And she's from Serbia, and I, fair enough, it's not Europe, so you can't say it's to do with directly to do with Brexit. But yeah, like it's tricky with visas and stuff, you know. And there's a lot of additional costs involved as well. And I, I don't know. I think things are going to change a lot. Who knows what's going to happen? But things will change. I think over the next couple of years, when those 
flights go up, you know, it's going to be more difficult to, to travel and, and visas and so forth. Are you directly involved with the bookings? You, you the yeah, I do all the bookings, nice. which is a bit mad. <laughs> I mean, I get help. I mean, I, I curate the lineup with a couple of other people, right. you know. I don't curate it on my own. But in terms of the actual bookings and stuff, yeah. And your brother's not involved in the festival. So they're involved creatively. They they do input creatively. Nice. You know, as you expand the festival and you've you've had events in India, in Mumbai, in mm-hmm. ADE, how do you kind of negotiate that balance between, you know, keeping it Irish, Northern Irish, Southern Irish, and then also attracting a foreign crowd? Just kind of negotiating that balance of mm-hmm. homegrown versus... You mean the balance between the events? Well, I guess both in terms of the lineup and like, and your identity is strongly kind of mm-hmm. Irish and local, mm-hmm. and just kind of making sure that it doesn't become an event where it's majority. Majority, foreign. yeah. Well, no, we're not. You know, it, that's not a bad thing, but just that it retains that spirit, that its original spirit. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think that probably boils down to the programming and the people that you involve. I think the the other side though is is you do want to be innovating and you do want to be bringing in other art forms that then add. So yeah, it's a balance. I mean, I think it's just making sure that like you retain what you started out, but you're just adding to it so you kind of keep the core and the like soul really of what the event is. And then it's about like growing the other bits. I think the exciting thing of what we did in Mumbai and what we did at ADA and what we do is we bring artists with us. So that's like an amazing opportunity for like local artists as well, you know, and they get a lot from that. And so I suppose for us, it's that's in a way like developing the talent by bringing them out to other cities with you and then them being exposed to other signs and stuff, I think that develops what their work can be. So I kind of see it as like a a real positive and we want to keep doing that. Like we have intentions to, to do keep doing that. I think it's just the core festival, the main festival is is in Belfast and it's events that we run outside of that. I mean, how long term are you thinking now in terms of the festival like? You think long term, but I suppose it's you take each year as it comes. So it's a kind of a balance. I mean, you know, we want the festival to continue. We love doing it. It's increased in capacity every year. Yep. So this year it's actually more con- increased by the fact that it's two days. Right. So it's not growing hugely in capacity. And to be honest, our intention is not for it to become like a like a Glastonbury or anything. You know, I don't think that could happen in Belfast. <laughs> Well, no, actually, it happened in Glastonbury. You know, this is like a little town outside of Bristol. I think what I'd love to be able to do is to be able to animate different parts of the city. You know, I think that's kind of more where the thinking is to, like, grow the festival, but also be able to, like, add nice parts to the programming in other spaces as well as keeping. And, you know, for me, I would love to be engaging other audiences, you know, like... I don't know, you could do a really beautiful light show on the lagging, you know, where like you walk under bridges and, you know, I think it's really nice when you start to like animate the city or like involve the city in a way that then it becomes kind of more Belfast centric. Like an ADE, I mean, you know, it's different, but an ADE or a sonar where for that weekend, everyone congregates and like the city comes alive. And Yeah, so I think, you know, 
yeah, we'll see. <laughs> you touched upon it earlier, which is the kind of the heart and soul of the festival is the kind of spirit of the crowd. Mm. And like they have this amazing energy. I've been to a party at Twitch um, mm -hmm. for work and it was, yeah, unlike anything I've ever experienced, you know, like really, really magical. And you always hear DJ saying Ireland, Northern Ireland, their favourite place to play. I just wondered if you could like try and pinpoint where that comes from and or expand a little bit for people that have never experienced it, what it kind of looks like. It's just from the get-go, really. Irish people love the crack, as in humour, <laughs> right, by the way. Like, that's a common phrase, you know. And it's just fun. People don't have too serious an attitude. Very unselfconscious. Very unpretentious. Very unselfconscious. Yes. I think people are there to have fun, you know. They're there to get involved. Our experience of the festival has just been... Yeah, people are really open and, and welcoming and, and want to just have have a good time. And there's a lot of energy. And yeah, not much is held back <laughs> in terms of like just cheering and, and the, the energy. I mean, this is talked about many times, but a time I remember was when Jeremy Underground was playing the Bonnety, which is... Room two and Shine and, and Queens. And Bonnety is also where Twitch, so it's probably yeah. where you are. Yeah. And the ceilings are really low. And they've actually had to replace that ceiling, I think, about three or four times because it's just constantly punched and just the atmosphere. And for us, the way that we program it is we keep our outdoor stages, like we try and create like a low kind of ceiling and the kind of more intimate but still large feeling because it's that kind of like close proximity and that energy you know with the boardroom stage we put the dj in the middle and with the the backstage it was very sort of low down and intimate and our main stage is obviously big but i think with what we're trying to create with the visual side and the lighting side that then works really well against the the outdoor stages and the venue t13 where we do the festival is just epic it's like a big shipping warehouse in the docks of the titanic and uh, I remember when when I first brought people to there to say this is where we're going to do it, they were just like, you're mad. <laughs> like, this is insane. But it's just incredible and it's the perfect place for, for us to do what we do. Far out, baby. Hey, can I get a job with you? Just think of it, man. Just think you and me in outer space together.